0: Hallelujah! Father, we just want to come to you tonight and thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us this opportunity to come and study your word. God, that we can come and uh, be inspired by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we can truly say that it is good to be in your house. Hallelujah! Lord, I pray if there's anyone here with burdens or anything that is weighing them down tonight, God, they would be able to take this moment right now and just cast their care upon you, Lord because You said You care for us. Lord God, that You would just take that load off of them. Lord God, that that peace that surpasses all understanding would come in. And Lord God, replace any anxiety and replace any sadness, Lord God, with a spirit of joy. For we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. So Lord God, we just pray that everybody in here would be strengthened right now with the presence of Your joy and the spirit of Your love flowing through them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you guys for taking the time to come out on a Wednesday night for us to study God's Word together. And, and I'm excited about what the Lord is showing me as we're going into December here, uh, wrapping up this year. I keep hearing in my spirit over and over as I'm praying for the church, as I'm praying for you and your family. I just keep hearing the Spirit of the Lord say, promotion, promotion. His promotion. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know if anybody in here is looking for a promotion, cares about a promotion, desires a promotion, but God does. And He wanted me to encourage you this evening from His Word in how we can properly be in the right position to move into this promotion that the Lord has for us. And God's promotions are always good. I've I've experienced the promotions of the Lord for the past 30-plus years, and every one of them gets better and better and better and better. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for our church as we are wrapping up 2017 and this time of celebration. Uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that Jesus came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. I see Christmas lights going up and Christmas carols being sung. In our home, uh, one of the one of the kids are learning to play the flute, and one of them's learning to play the trumpet, and uh, and they're playing Christmas songs, and or I think they're Christmas songs. No, they are Christmas songs, and. Um, <laughs> And I was talking to my mom today, and she's a music teacher and teaches piano and guitar. And she had a student about to arrive, but I said, you'd be very happy with your grandkids. And I said, the flute is going, the trumpet is going, and Townsend's in there helping them. He's on the grand piano, he's on the keyboard, he's on a guitar, and a big brother just helping him out there. And I said, the music coming out of that music room, I said, is, is just this is memories. I, I don't want to ever, ever forget and lose that. It's not all the right note and it's not all on the right timing, but let me tell you what, that's how we all learn to do whatever we're going to do. And, uh, and they're just putting in their time and it's just beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Pastor Rodika is going to be in here, I think, uh, tomorrow night and she's going to turn this place in with the help of uh, some of you. It's, it's this place is going to be something beautiful on Sunday. I'm always... So excited to see what they do, uh, and then on Sunday come in and, and be a part of that. I think it's going to really help our healing conference have a, a new look and a, a good feel as well, as Cal and Michelle will be flying in tomorrow, and I'll be at the airport uh, getting them and getting them situated in their uh, place that they'll be staying at uh, and preparing for Friday night. If you haven't invited anyone, I encourage you to do that. Come out Friday night. And uh, let's just uh, enjoy, again, the presence of the Lord. Some amazing ministry from uh, a man that God has raised up for such a time as this to uh, redig the wells for the healing ministry there on the West Coast. And it spread all over the world. Over 3,000 healing rooms uh, in just the past 16 years since he's been doing this. And I think 27 different countries, maybe it's 32 now. And uh, it's just the healing word, the healing message, the ministry of God that many had given up on. God is a healing God. He, he named himself Jehovah Jireh, uh, our provider, and in one of the provisions that he brings to us, he also names himself as Jehovah Rapha, our God, our healer, our great physician. And isn't it great to know that we have a God that really cares about us and uh, has provided for us healing in the atonement of His Son, Jesus Christ, that we by faith can tap into that and uh, appropriate the goodness of God in our lives. And that's what we're here for as, uh, as we study God's Word together. We know hearing God's Word helps our faith grow so that our faith can appropriate and take hold of all that's been provided in the atonement. And one of those is promotion. And we're going to be looking at that tonight. Proverbs chapter 18. Look at verse 16 of chapter 18. It says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before great men. So, we're going to be looking at one of the things tonight is the gift that God has deposited in you uh, so that you can, as mankind, this is men and women, uh, as we can use our gifts uh, in a way of advancing God's kingdom, it is going to bring you into that place of promotion. When we study gifts in the church, there are three basic categories of gifts. And it's very important we understand their differences and how they all work together. One of the gifts, uh, categories of gifts as you study the Word of God is found in, e- in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And uh, what the uh, apostle is writing here, he says, "...for Jesus gave some..." So Jesus is the one that gave these gifts. He's equipping gifts. They are given by Jesus... Uh, Some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So Jesus cared so much about you that He was willing to impart gifts in these apostles and these prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers so that they can, by the gifts of God, through Christ, equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. So the ministry has that four-letter word, work, attached to it. A lot of people get a very negative idea or a negative mindset when they think of work. But you know Adam, when he was created, was given a charge over the garden. So work is not necessarily a part of the the curse that came through sin as Adam was tending the garden even before the curse came. The curse brings the thorns and the thistles that fight against us and that we wrestle against those. So that's where the curse comes in. But even the ministry has work to it. And and we need to be equipped. We need to be taught and challenged and lifted up in such a way and given the opportunity to do the work of ministry. And what does it do? It edifies the body of Christ. The body of Christ is built up, the body of Christ is made stronger, the body of Christ matured as the saints do the work of service or the works of service of ministry as being equipped by these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now that's called the equipping gifts. And if you do any Bible study, you will find that's usually the category they're placed under because it is an equipping of the saints. Another category of gifts that we look at are the ministry gifts. And the ministry gifts are found in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy... With cheerfulness, these are called the ministry gifts because these gifts have been given as body ministry. These are how we minister to each other, uh, and 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 so we have the equipping gifts that come in and equip all the saints for the works of service and the ministry. And then we have the ministry that part of that work that we do. We we're all gifted to be uh, used in ministering one to another. There's no such thing as just an inhaling Christian. And there's nothing as just an exhaling Christian. If you inhale only, you die. If you exhale only, you die. So the very basics of life God has given us that we must inhale and exhale to imbalance so that we can see in everything that we do, even in the ministry in the church, is an inhaling and an exhaling of using our gifts and being ministered to by others as well. So, so your gifts and talents are given to you by God and, and they're for somebody else. You're to use these gifts to minister to other people and, um, and they profit from them. So your gifts are not necessarily for you. The gifts that God has given you in ministry gifts... And even the equipping gifts are to be used to equip others or minister to others or serve others or to bless others. So, so every one of us here have gifts and talents that God has given to us. And some of your gifts and talents give you the ability to work good with your hands. I've seen people do things with their hands. and I'm just amazed at how they can figure things out. There are others gifted with communication. They can explain things. They can teach things. They can help... Um, uh, p- uh, people figure out uh, how to do things uh, in the way that they can explain it. Uh, some people are not good speakers, but they're great thinkers. And, and uh, man, they can get behind a computer. They can design anything or they can be out on the field. And, and if there's a problem comes up, they can start thinking while everybody's worrying and they can figure it out. Uh, all of that we need to give God the praise for. None of us should take credit for that. Oh, look how smart I am. Look how good I am. Look how, what an amazing teacher I am. Look at what a good administrator I am. Look at what a, a good services I can provide. Let me tell you what, these are gifts. These are gifts that God has given to us. And, uh, and, and sometimes we don't see them as gifts, but they're clearly, in Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12, we see these two distinct categories. Most of the time as I talk to Christians it seems like they would get stuck on this third category of gifts called the manifestation gifts and there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 and 10 says for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit do you see who is given by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So uh, we see that these are manifestation gifts, and these are very, very important, very important, but listen, these are the gifts of the Spirit. These These aren't your gifts. These are the gifts of the Spirit. And they manifest through us, okay? And we want to not grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to be open and, 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 and full of the Spirit, overflowing with the Spirit, always willing to let the Spirit of God work through us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit so that He can minister through us. But these are gifts of the Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's His manifestation or His shining out or blazing through us and, uh, and if you'll notice, these are not the practical living life day-by-day day gifts. Or a better way I can say that, the ministry gifts rather than the manifestation gifts are the gifts of God that are given to you to run your day, to run the ministry of your life as you do and serve and be a Christian in the community and in your home and in the body of Christ. So our ministry gifts, not our manifestation gifts, now I know charismatic churches like ourselves, we, we really like uh, and uh, having that. We are not quenching the Spirit of God and we're not ashamed of the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost can work in us and speak through us and do what He wants. Praise God. Praise God. But let us not focus on the manifestation gifts to the neglect. Not that we're going to stop focusing on the manifestation gifts. We need more of you yielding and surrendering and by faith, by, the, by faith, allowing the Spirit of God to shine through you, to minister through you, to bring words of wisdom through you, to bring words of knowledge through you, to bring gifts of faith and to bring ministry and gifts of healing and, my, and tongues with interpretation. We don't want to quench any of that, but we don't want to focus on that sector only to, ne- to the neglect of the body ministry gifts that God has given us to do life day to day with. Okay? So these ministry gifts are very, very important in our lives. So I, I, I want to share more with you about the ministry gifts because I believe we have neglected them. We have a tendency to ignore that which is in the regular thread of life. you know. And, uh, and, and believe you me, we do more to affect the kingdom through our day-to-day affairs than we do when we just gather together on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. So we need to have what we're doing here practically uh, changing the culture and changing society as we go out, of there, out there. And the Lord has been impressing on me, promotion, promotion. That there's, there's like a graduation, there's a promotion that you're going to be more effective, that you're going to be taken to a higher level. God's going to be using you in a greater way in the world, and you are going to be a light with a higher, you might would say, base of, of operation where you're able to illuminate or God's able to illuminate through you through your life in a greater way. And And I thank God for that. So when... You go to work tomorrow, more like, I would say more than likely, God doesn't want you to get into your cubicle if you work in a cubicle or in the warehouse if you work in a warehouse and lock yourself up and speak in tongues for eight hours on your employer's dime. I really don't believe the Lord would be pleased with that. And you would say, well, I'm praying in the Spirit for eight hours. Well, praise God for that, but not on your employer's dime. I think God would rather you use the gifts of service or administration or teaching or exhortation or whatever body ministry gifts He has given you and to do your job and to do it with excellence so that the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified in and through your work. I believe that would be more pleasing to the Lord when you go to work tomorrow. You know, I've seen this kind of stuff happen where someone came to me and they got fired because all they wanted to do was pray. And they couldn't understand how in the world God allowed them to get fired from their job when they, were, they said they were sent there as an intercessor and they were supposed to pray. They weren't supposed to deliver on the contract of that which they were signed up to do. But they, they said, ah, oh, that was just to get me in the door. I'm an intercessor. I was here to pray. They got fired. And if they worked for me, they probably would have got fired as well. They, and, and they wanted the church. They wanted us to unite with them and rebuke the devil. And I really couldn't get my faith up to do that because I really didn't know if the devil had anything to do with that. I just think that was some poor judgment and some misunderstanding and of how to apply the Christian line. Uh, I've had Christian business owners tell me, as you know, we own a, a, a company, a Christian a business directory and uh, they're printed all over the United States and been around for 37 years. And here with the Shepherd's Guide, um, I had business owner tell me that they really didn't want to advertise in the Shepherd's Guide. And I said, why is it? This is to unite the body of Christ uh, so that we'll do business one with another. And they said, well, it, it, I've done it before and it attracted Christian resumes. And I really don't want that. And I said, why? He said, well, I've had bad experience with Christian employees. Well, now, as a pastor who's here to equip you to be the best Christian you can be to bring glory and honor and kingdom expansion here on earth as it is in heaven, that got my attention. Because it should be just the opposite. We should have the secular world and the Christian world that are are employers out there looking to hire Christians. That's how it should be. And they said that they didn't want any Christian resumes and I said why and they said well we've had people come in they just wanted to pray all day they didn't want to do their job or they wanted to witness to others all day and not do their job or minister to others and 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 they were neglecting their job and it puts me in a bad place he said that I've got to keep writing them and it's like I'm being a bad person to tell them you got to stop praying and start working and I feel I don't even want to put myself in that position I say when you clock in early, you need to get on that forklift and get things stacked and and pray before you get there, is what I would say, and meditate on the Word while you work and you do your job with excellence and minister to others on your break. That's when you should minister to others. But while you're at work, we need to work with excellence. Say amen. Somebody say amen. I need some encouragement in here, okay? Because I believe your work is worship. Because what we do, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And whatever you do as unto the Lord is ascribing worth to Him, and it is worship. So your work is worship. You're using the gifts and you're using the talents that He gave you. They didn't come from your mama or your daddy, but they came from God. So God has got gifts and talents and anointings in you so that you can excel in the workplace So much so that you can become the Daniel and you can become one of these that are uh, uh, promoted even out in secular society and the promotion you receive there is not only lifting you up, but it's lifting the gifts, the anointings, the talents, the blessings, the favor, the presence of the Lord that's in you. And I believe that's very, very imp- important today for this to be said, that a good work ethic will help you overcome a lot of shortcomings that you may have. Uh, and, and some of us, we've got shortcomings, right? I know I do. Maybe you don't, but I've got some. And, uh, and, and a good work ethic will help bring promotion, even if you're not the sharpest tack in the, in the company. Okay? Somebody say, praise God for that. <laughs> Amen. But we as a church, we also have this tendency that we focus on gifts uh, to the exclusion. It's like with the church, we focus on gifts, not ministry gifts that we can use in day-to-day life. Uh, we want to focus on the manifestation gifts, which are amazing. Let the Holy Spirit, like I said, words of wisdom and words of knowledge and faith, and, and let, it, let God, the gifts of healing, let them flow, let, them flow, let, him, flow, let him flow through us. But when we're out in the workplace, these body ministry gifts can be used in such a way that brings such glory and honor to God. But we neglect on the manifestation gifts to the uh, exclusion of the ministry gifts because the ministry, the equipping gifts, uh, equip us for the work of service, the work of the ministry. And a lot of us, when we hear work, we don't like that, so we'll just go to the manifestation. Now... While we're looking at gifts, gifts, usually just the manifestation gifts, we have a tendency, I know I have in the past, to not focus enough on the fruit of the Spirit. We like the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't focus on the fruit of the Spirit. And there are gifts of the Spirit, but there's also fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? Yes, you did. And, uh, and it's very important that we focus on the fruit because people don't want to receive your gift if you have no fruit. And that's one thing I really like about the transparency that is hitting, is sweeping our nation now. Things that have been covered up are being exposed, and things that have, hypocrites have been hiding behind. The, 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 the covers are being moved, and, and, and the truth is being seen. I think that is very, very good because. If we want to receive someone's gift, we want to see their fruit. We want to know they're the real deal. That, that they, are, they are sincere and honest and, 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 tra- and that transparency helps us do that. See, the fruits of the Spirit, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. You can't do these too much. You can't do these too much. Come on now. With tongues and interpretation, the Spirit of God gave instruction through the Apostle Paul that in a corporate gathering, that the service is not to be interrupted with tongues that are followed with interpretation uh, over three times. That's what he says. Because it was happening so much that the equipping was of, of the, uh, the pastors and the teachers and the apostles, they weren't able to teach. It was all tongues and tongues, and there was no interpretation. And he's like, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you and sing in the Spirit, and I wish you would do the same. So I'm not telling you to stop praying in the Spirit. This exuberance is amazing. Pray in the Spirit. It edifies you. It builds up your inner man. There's Holy Ghost, heaven power being built up in you while you pray in the Spirit. You need to do that and do it the more. But if you're going to take over the service and silence everyone with a message in tongues, it has to have an interpretation because it doesn't do anyone any good. So he wasn't saying stop speaking in tongues. And he wasn't even saying stop singing or praying in the Spirit in the, in the church services. He wasn't even saying that. He was saying if you're taking the platform to bring a message from heaven, it has to have an interpretation and no more than three messages in tongue with interpretation in a service. So, so he's giving some, some, some boundaries even to that. But look at the fruit of the Spirit. He is saying here, there is no law. You can, you can let the uh, fruit of love and the fruit of joy and the fruit of peace and the fruit of patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, you can let that run 24-7. You can let that manifest 24-7. And he was like basically saying, we need to see more fruit. We need to see more of the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in and through your life. Because it's hard for people to receive your gift if you have no self-control. Come on now. Or if you've got a nasty attitude. you got the, you got the uh, fruit of kindness, and let me tell you what, they'll receive your message they'll receive you, but you go in with a nasty attitude, no matter how much Holy Ghost you talk, or how much Bible you talk, you do more harm than good for the kingdom of God. And if you're negative all the time, which is the opposite of the the fruit of joy, people don't want to be around you. They'll see you, and they will open a closet door, pretending it's an exit, and hide in the closet to avoid having to talk to you. I know, I wanted to do it myself. But that closet door was locked. No. (laughs) People don't want to be around you. Or if you hold grudges of unforgiveness and grudges, you know, which is the opposite of the fruit of love. Man, that destroys relationships. Actually, God said, don't even expect Him to participate in your life success when you live like that. He says, you live in unforgiveness, don't even expect me to participate in that. Or think about it, you blow up or you puff up all the time. There's no fruit of self-control there. And, and, and you're always like a time bomb that nobody knows. People just don't want to have anything to do with you. Or maybe you live your life like where anything goes. And, 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 and if somebody lives their life so careless and cavalier and, and there's no self-control to their life, I don't want you prophesying over me. Amen? Amen? I still believe the Lord is calling for people to be holy. He so said, without holiness, no man shall see God. We need to still uh, come to God for the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God to help us be set apart and to, and to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto our, our flesh and our sin and our, the things that the enemy is trying to tempt us with and, and, and to rise up and to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if somebody don't care, the lust of the flesh is just another part of life, I don't want them prophesying over me. See, see, ministry gifts and talents, they are what you do and what you have to offer, but the fruit is who you are. And God is most interested in first developing who you are rather than what you can do. You say, well, I do great exploits. Oh, did I not hear a scripture where Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you but we've healed and we've raised the dead in your name and we've done all these great exploits in your name and and the gifts were flowing, but the fruit was not evident. And he says, you weren't abiding in the vine. And and because you weren't abiding in the vine, you were doing that on your own and, and I never even knew. I don't know you. So God is more interested in first developing who you are before you go into what you can do. A lot of us want to show Him what we can do first, but He wants to do a building up of who we are. See, God is going to hold your feet to the fire of developing the fruit of the Spirit that is in you. And the reason why is so that the world can receive the gift of the Spirit that He has put in you. The gifts of service. I've seen people want to serve, but then they get a nasty attitude. No fruit. I've seen people that want to give and then they have a nasty attitude, no fruit. I see people that want to preach and they get up and preach and, and then they have a, a bad attitude outside of the pulpit. And let me tell you what, it is a big turn off. So, so God is saying, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire so that you can, you can be developed in who you are and, and, and full of the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit growing and maturing and manifesting through your life so that the folks will begin to receive the gifts of the Spirit that I put in you. Because every one of us here, just look around, look to your right, look to your left, everybody, every head you can see right now, every one of us here, we have gifts, every one of us. Jesus says, you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more... Does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to you? So every one of you have been given gifts, and the gifts of God are good. Everybody's got gifts. Every one of us here, you say, well, I don't know what mine is. That doesn't mean you don't have gifts that have been given to you by God. But please understand this. A gift is only as important as you have the fruit of the Spirit to support it. Do you get that? It is so important. See, it's a trap when we try to show God how much we love Him by using our gifts. Our gifts and our talents do not really say anything about the person. A gift basically tells us about the person who gave the gift. Let's say if I was to give Pastor Rodica a wonderful gift and I searched the world over and I found this most precious gift. I mean, it is amazing and I gave it to her. That gift says more about me and my love for her than her receiving that gift, right? See, God could give you a gift and you could run off and really take that gift and never have anything to do with Him again. This is how some preachers who have been living in sin are still getting people saved because the gift and the calling of God is without repentance. They took the gift and they're using it but what I'm here to say, they're not going to get by with God for that. And they're not going to get any points by doing that. Because God is still interested in the fruit. See, fruit is different from gifts. Because fruit can only be born out of union. You've got to abide in the vine. You've got to be connected to the vine in order for the fruit to come out of your life. Fruit says everything about what's in you and what's flowing through you. Do you, un- you get that? Fruit says everything. Gift says uh, uh, everything about the person who gave the gift. And Jesus has already told us how good and great our Father, our Heavenly Father is, who has given us good gifts. He's good. We, that's without a doubt. But because we've got those good gifts, does not make us good. And uh, so what God wants is us to begin to allow the fruit to flow through us. Because fruit says everything about what's in you and about what's flowing through you. So I'm, I'm not going to put you in a lead ministry just because you have a gift or a talent. We've made that mistake in years past in our immaturity and not understanding that. And we're like, man, you got a gift and a talent. Man, that means God's hand's really on you. And we just put you right in, put you right in. And, and, and we found out later that the character issues did more harm in that ministry area we put them over than their gift did good. And we're like, man, this, this, I didn't understand this. And when I, when God gave me the revelation of it, I said, I, I now see, Lord, and I repented. And I said, Lord, I, I want to be an administrator used by you and taught by you and working in your wisdom. So, so I want to see your fruit. Do, do you have your life under control? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Do you have your passions governed? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Are you patient? Are you peaceful? Are you loving? Are you kind? Can a waitress spill water on on your lap and and you still hold it together? Can you? See, and and then tip her nice as well, or him as well, or are you going to punish them and put them on their tip? God loves you. Don't do that. Don't do that. See, that's the person I want to put in a lead ministry or, 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 or lead a mission or in business, lead uh, in, in business. And the reason being is because it means you've developed fruit in your life. There's maturity of fruit in your life. And the fruit comes out of intimacy. When I see the fruit, I know there's intimacy there. There's no way that Pastor Rodica and I could have three biological children, which we do, unless we were, there was a union And that union lets us have an intimacy that the fruit of our lives are the children that came out of that union. And happy anniversary this Friday. Can you believe in all this busy? Wow, 22 years. And she's still hanging with me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the God. So if you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then I know you are intimate with the Spirit of God. And it tells me about your relationship with God because there's fruit. And, 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 and if there are no results, let me tell you what, then I know the union between you and God is not there. It's just, it's just a front. And like I said earlier, this is a time of promotion. And God, God is not fooled by your front. But the good thing is He, can, he wants to teach us equip us so that he can he can then as we receive the instruction of the word of god and apply the instruction of the word of god that he can promote us because we're in the right we're in the right path you might would say and I feel like that's what the Lord is doing. He says, promotion. I want to promote you. I want to promote you in business. I want to promote your finances. I want to promote you in your relationships. I want to promote you. He said, at the close of this year, and the opening of this new year, I want to take you to the next level. I want to use you to advance my kingdom in greater ways than you can even imagine. And I want to bless you and your family in ways that you can't even write it down in your journal because they're beyond you. They're not. You can't, you can't receive how good it is God has for you. But he says... You're not going to experience this if you don't have the character to sustain it. If you don't have the character uh, uh, and and the nature in which you are abiding in the vine and drawing on the strength and the wisdom of God through an intimate relationship where the fruit is being manifest, this, this promotion would do you more harm than good. Amen? So if you get there premature, it can do you more harm than good. So... I know that it's tight. I know it's tight, but it's right. Right? It's tight, but it's right. Praise God. Now, back to Proverbs 18 and 16, it says a man's gift will make room for you. You as the creator of God, he has given you gifts, and the gifts that he has given to you is it, when these gifts are now working through your life that the fruit of the Spirit is evident, so now it's going to make or it's going to make. Uh, a promotion possible for you. So I want us to focus the last few minutes of our time together on the gift that makes room for you to bring you before great men. To bring you into this promotion. Now you may ask, well I understand gifts and I understand talents but what, uh, what is my primary purpose or destiny in life? I hear that all the time. Pastor I really don't know what my primary, my primary purpose is or destiny in life is? And that's a good question, it is. Your primary purpose is discovered, listen here, your primary purpose is discovered by faithfully using your gifts and talents in such a way where the fruit of the Spirit is evident. That is how your primary purpose is discovered. You and I can't sit down and in a 30-minute conversation come up with your primary purpose and destiny. It will be discovered as you faithfully use your gifts and your talents, all governed by the fruit of the Spirit. Come on now. That's faithfully. Not, not just one day you had self-control and the next day you don't. One day you were faithful and the next day you weren't. One day you, know, you, you had love but the next one you weren't. Now we're talking about faithfully and consistently. And usually, this is, nor- this is normally the case, your primary gift will emerge, uh, which is uh, always parallel with your primary calling from God. Okay, that's how God works. The primary gifting He puts in you parallels with His calling on your life. So if God calls you to be a preacher, you know, uh, He's not going to make you pale of speech. That's just you're going to find that uh, even though you may not feel like you're you're a good you can speak well that potential is in you and God knows that and because He's put that in you now you have to work it but it's your responsibility to be faithful to step out in that now now your dominant gift will walk in the direction of God's calling on your life and it will help you discover your assignment as you discover yourself. Now, too many Christians, I see this all the time, are, are planning for jobs, they're searching for careers, they're, they're spending years and years in college, and they've never stopped to discover what's on the inside of them. And they end up with degrees that do not parallel with the calling of God on their life, and they're miserable, or they abandon that. And all those years, they still have a degree, but they go a different direction. You see that all the time. See, if you can't decide what your true destiny course is, uh, you can't d- decide that until you can decide what the dominant thing God has put inside of you, and you can't discover what the dominant thing God has put on the inside unto you until you faithfully come. And, and it's amazing how the body of Christ works. It's kind of like our, our place where we practice on each other. We come together as a family, just like we do in our family. There was Morgan practicing on the flute, and there's, I'm doing, a, uh, I'm doing a, <laughs> There's something disconnected here. She's doing a flute and Caleb's doing the trumpet. You know, all that practice that's going on in our house. It's, it's not something that you would record and, and sell, you know, a lot, of, a lot of digital files off of, okay? But for a family, it, even for us, it can get a little... Yeah... You know what it is. When they do the same scale over and over and over and over and over, they oh, move on, move on, move on. But you know that's necessary. And they have a safe place to do that in their family. Well, the same is true in the church. We are a family. And God gives us the opportunity to come and use our gifts and our talents and our anointings uh, in, the, in, in doing the works of service in the house of God, which helps us uh, fine-tune, you might would say, and discover what we're good at and what we're not good at. I remember this one teacher wasn't in, in this church. Uh, I went and did an internship uh, at several churches over the years of my studies. And this one church, I was doing an internship at, and I was interviewing all of the ministry staff, and I was, so I was ministering, all uh, uh, interviewing all the Sunday school teachers. And this one lady I, and I said, "You know what was it? What was it that brought you into the classroom?" She said, "Well, one Sunday I was walking down the hall." And the pastor said, such and such teacher, it didn't show up. I need you to go in room seven. And I walked in room seven. I don't know how to teach. I've never taught. And there was all these little kids in there, and they were climbing the wall. And, uh, and I was just trying to calm them down. And, and, all, and, and here 23 years later, I'm still the teacher of that class. And I said, ah, oh, so you came to love it. it. The pastor helped point you into the direction of your gift. She said, I hate it. I dread it. And if this wasn't such a small community and and it would cause such a a skiff, I'd I'd skip out of this church. I'd go to another church just to get out of it. I'm like, wow, how sad. Not only for her, but for 23 years of kids that's had somebody there that that is not paralleled with their calling and their anointing that God has on their life. And, And thank God they're willing to step in. But here at Christian Embassy, we don't want you to do that. We want to practice on each other. We say, let's try it. And if you try this, if you don't like it, there's no shame. We'll take that hat off and we'll put another hat on you. Let's find something else. We want you to be able to exercise and use your gifts and the anointings. And and in that process, uh, uh, and your fruit is, is maturing, in that process you're going to discover who you are and what God has really gifted you at and that you'll be able to use in your life. See, discovering your destiny is not a decision. Discovering your destiny is not an event. Discovering your destiny, destiny is a process. And I think a lot of times, those Holy Ghosts, uh, you know, what is it, the Holy Rollers, they like to call us, you know, the Holy Rollers uh, have that, have kind of a reputation that everything's instantaneous. Everything's instantaneous. And then when you step out of that service and you see that 99.999% of everything that God has created has process. And you work with the process and you can get the produce of it if you work properly with the process. Why is it that we want the shortcut and we want to go from A to Z just because we had a good dancing service and a good shout? Now, I want some more dancing services, and I want some shouting, and, and I want us falling out in the Spirit, and I want us laughing in the Spirit. I want the freedom of God in this house when we come to celebrate His goodness more than anything. I want that. But that is not the shortcut to bypass a buried fruit, much fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, of being kind and I've met folks, I tell you, I used to travel the East Coast preaching revivals, and man, there would be folks all laid out on the altar, and the services were so amazing, and then uh, we'd all gather together at a restaurant. Uh, a group would gather together wherever the pastor wanted to take us or whatever, and then I'd see some of those same folks, so nasty, to the, to the, uh, the, the waitresses. And that thing, that thing just... Burden my heart i'm like how is it you were speaking in tongues and having such a holy ghost laugh and enjoying the lord and now you're out here in a church group being so nasty to the waitress because 40 of us came in and it overwhelmed now, how many of you know it's harder to serve 40 people that walk in at one time than a table of four here and a table of two there and a, a booth of three there it's a whole lot harder and being in the restaurant business myself at one time years ago, I, I'm more sensitive to that, and I'm like, it just it just it didn't get it. Now does that negate what happens on the altar? No. Does that negate say we should never shout and praise God and get excited and, and clap and dance before the Lord? No, it doesn't say that. We need to do that. We need to do that more, but we also need to have our destiny discovered not just with a decision or an event, but with a process where we're faithfully using all the gifts and all the talents that God has given to us in the least likely of places as the fruit of the Spirit is growing and maturing through our lives. And why did I say the least of likely places? What I have learned is that God usually puts us in a place where we are using our secondary gifts, if I could say it that way, and there He develops the fruit of the Spirit in your life while you're using a secondary gift in a least likely place. This is the process I've noticed and recognized in Christendom. You'll learn self-control there using a secondary gift in a least likely place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll learn patience there. You'll learn to trade your garments of weariness for the spirit of praise, joy unspeakable, and full of glory there. It is there that you'll learn to, to rise up in the, in the sinking boat in the midst of a storm and say, Peace, be still. That's what you'll learn there. See, God trained you while using your less dominant gift so that... When you are promoted, come on, say that with me, promoted, so that when you are promoted through the process to your primary destiny and your primary purpose, that mistakes of your growing through them won't affect the world in the name of God. So we work among ourselves in the body of Christ serving each other and serving His kingdom purpose and plan for this house but it's not just for this house. It's what we do here that is helping us mature and prove ourselves not to man but to God so that God says now your gift will open the door for promotion to bring you before great men. See, it's like God doesn't put us in the spotlight uh, for a purpose. You know, it doesn't like he put the spotlight on us with our primary gift and we're just brand new at this thing and, and, and then everybody's looking and he starts training us there. So most of the process I see of God is that he trains you in the job you don't necessarily like. And he trains you with people you don't necessarily like. Now, you may be out there in the workplace saying, Oh, now that makes sense. That makes sense. And you may be doing what you don't necessarily like to do with a schedule that you really don't like, a third shift that really irks you, and it is there... That when you say no to sin and yes to righteousness and you operate with self-control and you allow patience to be manifested and build up as the fruit of the Spirit in and through your life, now it is bringing you to a place of promotion. And that's what I'm hearing in the Spirit. I'm hearing God say, it's time for promotion. So I'm speaking to some of you that are in that process right now. The gear work has been at work here, and it's grinding, and it's not been exactly the way you wanted it to be, and you're not really in the position that you so desire, but you've been in the process. But God has been working by His Spirit, and the, and, and the, how you've been drawing on Him, and calling on Him, and staying faithful to Him, and allowing... the Spirit of God to bring self-control and kindness and goodness and and joy and peace and and all of this long-suffering out of you so that now you're not popping off the cap every time things don't go your way. You're not puffing up and getting mad or getting, you know, uh, 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 revenge in in some way or another. Don't even tell me if you've done that. I don't want to know. But but I know how people have confessed to me. Some folks come in my office and confess stuff to me and say, I didn't need to know that. Uh, help me. I don't never want to think of that ever again. You did What? <laughs> See David could sing and David could play a harp and David could write songs and but these weren't his dominant gifts. See God trained him while he was playing the harp and God trained him while he was writing the songs and God trained him while he was out there in a pasture singing but God had called him to be a warrior. He was a warrior. And so even when a bear would come or a lion would come, while he was out in the field, he rose up and he slew them. And even when he was taking snacks to his brothers who were in war, and there they were all afraid of Goliath, when he heard Goliath cursing God, and when he heard Goliath cursing the people of God, that dominant gift began to rise up, and he wanted to meet the challenge. That was promotion. And his brothers told him, you can't do this, There's, this gift is not in you, this anointing is not on you, go play your harp, go sing your song, go eat your cheese and bread, you got to go. But, but, but understand that he had been faithful in his tending of the sheep. He had been faithful in playing his harp. He had been faithful in his praise unto God. And he didn't see Goliath as an enemy to run from. He saw Goliath as an opportunity for his dominant gift and his calling and his purpose to shine. God says promotion is coming to some of you. Within the next four weeks, you're going to see promotion. You're going to hear something. You're going to be at the crossroads of something. You're going to be in a position, and it's going to call uh, deep, deep into you, deep calling into deep, and it's going to say this is... Part of why you were created. This is part. You're to stand up here. You're to uh, participate here. And you're to know that this is a part of the process of God bringing you to promotion. See, some of you may be experiencing an enemy right now. And and maybe an enemy, a disease coming against you, an enemy of relational conflict, maybe an enemy of financial destitute. I I don't know what it is. The enemy doesn't play fair and he'll use anything. He'll use anything. But I am telling you, as the enemy is coming against you, know this, that this is your opportunity for your dominant gift and your calling to come to the surface and, and you are about to flourish and advance God's kingdom like you've never done before, never, never even imagined before. Because David had been faithful in the unlikely places. He was now prepared to identify the need and meet the need. And God is calling us to be faithful in the unlikely areas and places of life because it's there we're in the process. It's there where He's developing us. It's there where we're going from a child to an adult because the inheritance is ours. And He said even though the inheritance is yours, as long as you're a child, you're no better off than the slave servant because you're not going to be able to appropriate all of your inheritance because of your immaturity. He says, but Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, but I put away childish things. I put away childish speech, and now I've gone through the process. The devil has come, and I see that there's a bigger plan, and there's a bigger purpose, and God wants me. God needs me. God has positioned me in this world at such a time as this, and I'm not going to run from the giant. I'm going to run to the giant. Hallelujah. 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 See, David couldn't wait to engage the giant. The king is holding him back. His brothers are holding him back. Come on, let's put this armor on you. The king's armor, Da da da. you don't have any armor. The, the, but David wanted to go. And finally he says, I'm throwing down all of this. I'm going I'm to fight in what I've been through the process, what I've been developed to do. I believe David knew he had something special in him. And he saw an opportunity that, was, was, uh, uh, that which was growing on the inside of him to come out and shine. It was his, his, his doorway to discovery. Promotion, I'm telling you, I'm hearing it in my spirit. The Lord is saying, promotion is in this house. So, so that means if promotion is in this house, then you need to get ready and be willing to step through the doorway of discovery and say, here am I, God. I will step up to the plate. And you say, well, I've never, I've never batted a ball before. If you want to use that analogy, let me tell you what, the Holy Ghost in you, He's the one gave man the ability to even come up with the game and, and make the bat and make the ball. And if He's putting you on the mount, putting you at the batter's box, it is your time to swing and to bring forth the victory that He has for us. So I'm talking to you, the church. We don't run from devils. Come on now. We're not running. There's no spirit of fear that you should ever take on. God has not given that to you. If there's anxiety on you, cast it off. If there's fear on you, cast it off. If there's a spirit of infirmity on you, cast it off. First, uh, we see Jesus uh, was teaching in the, chim- uh, in, the, in the synagogue there and then he went and to Peter's uh, home and Peter's mother-in-law was sick and had a high fever and he, he rebuked the devil. And he rebuked the devil and immediately her health came back. I'm telling you, we need to stop negotiating with what the devil is doing on us and letting him be like, he's talking like he's our friend. But whatever He's coming against you, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's in your uh, emotions, I'm telling you, you've got to learn to, to stand up and say, no, that I'm a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We resist the devil. He's got to flee. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus. We come against him with the blood of the Lamb of God. We don't have to take what He gives us. Hallelujah. We know that God has prepared a table for us in the very presence of our enemy. We're going to eat and be sustained and we're going to prosper and we're going to find promotion even in this world while the devil is roaring, ro- roaming to and fro seeking whom he may devour. But you've got to rise up and cut off the head of Goliath. You need to understand as David did, this is my moment, this is my day. It's time for my gift to make room for me and bring me to a place of great significance. See, we've got to wise up and be prepared to advance as the opportunity presents itself. Why am I telling you this? Because the Spirit of the Lord is saying, it's time for promotion. This is time, not next year. He said between here and the close of this year is a time of promotion. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that. And if the Lord is saying that, then we better wise up. And we need to be prepared to to advance at the opportunity when it presents itself. Because every door of advancement and opportunity, it's going to have a giant standing in front of it. Let me tell you. And and the power shift comes over our lives when we don't run from the devil, but we run to the battle line. And say, you may come at me with a spear, you may come at me with that sword, you may come at me with that shield, but I come at you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we understand that greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. And rather than backing down and backing off, that we are advancing. It's promotion time. The Spirit of the Lord is saying Here's a good example. Let's say all around you there are happy voices that you listen to, but there are negative voices that you have to listen to as well. We live in the real world. I pray they're not your negative voices. I pray that the, spirit of, the fruit of the spirit of joy is flowing through you and kindness and goodness, and that's what's coming out of your lip. But in this real world, there are happy voices that encourage you, and, uh, and, and I just love when somebody's got a testimony. Not always to come up here and give the testimony. I'm just, I just love when somebody comes up to me and I say, how are you doing? And they say, well, let me tell you something the Lord has done. Let me tell you about how good my God is. Hallelujah. And I just love that. I love that. But on the other hand, there are negative voices as well. And, and if you listen to them, they'll, they'll tell you what seemingly their Lord is doing. little L. And the devil, he's all over me. The devil stole everything I got. The devil is giving me a backache. I can't hardly stand the pain right now. The devil, Man, I was smiling, but I'm now sad. Now, if someone's under attack, I want them to tell me so we can come together in agreement and pray, and we can rebuke the devil. I don't want that, but I'm just talking about somebody that's just always talking about, you know, you, you, you know, you know. <laughs> And I found that in this world, we're surrounded by more negative voices than happy voices. And if you learn to listen to the negative voices and not receive from it, uh, uh, but let it feed you to to the place where he says, I'm going to rise up and break that. It'll give you a new and powerful idea. When people says it can't be done, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Because I know all things are possible to my God. All things are possible to those who believe. My God can do all things. According to his riches and glory, he provides everything. So I know when someone says can't, it gets my ears. Because I know I, I, that may be part of my anointing that I just want to run to it and say, what can't be done? Tell me what can't be done. And, uh, and, and if it makes anything about advancing the kingdom of God, I mean, if they something silly, well, I'm not going to do that. But when you hear negative things, you need to rise up to the occasion. I remember back in 2003, people were complaining about the cost of health care. Did you know that? Back in 2003, there was a lot of complaining all over the news and the newspaper and all kinds of blogs and all people were talking about the the, uh, the rise of health care, the cost of health care. Political parties were running on free health care as their platform, and people were complaining about their inability to afford insurance and the rocketing cost of the pharmaceuticals and the outrageous cost of hospital care and the epidemic spread of cancer. And, I mean, it was, like, it was like, it was just everywhere. It was on the bottom feeds of the TV. It was just anywhere you look you can hear, that's what you were hearing. And it's like the nation is coming under this spirit of fear because we're not not going to be able to afford to, 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 to fight off all of these diseases that are coming in and destroying us. And then they would list all the new diseases or the diseases that were on the rise. And snap, I just got it. God says, raise up a healing task force. As I'm listening to this negative noise, he said, I want you to raise up a healing task force. Lord, I, I don't know what a healing task force is, but I will find out. I, I will say close to you and you show me and direct me. And it led us to opening up the healing rooms in 2003 and, and sharpening our ability to see the healing power of God flow through us to the sick. And and healing had gotten so quiet because there were a few personalities that only took the attention on it and maybe some exploits or displays of things and and, uh, things of transparency that made people equate the healing power of God with a personality and say, you're either that if you say you're in healing or you don't talk about it. So churches basically stopped talking about healing. And when the church backed off on healing, the devil took that opportunity to really ramp things up to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to charge you more for your health care. He had bigger buildings he wanted to build and skyscrapers if he could uh, off of your, your, your monies for the medical and pharmaceutical and research and all this stuff. And it just seemed like if we don't do that, then we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And here God says, when I'm hearing this, the Lord said, raise up a healing task force. And then when I start doing the research and I find Cal Pierce, an article, one little article done on Cal Pierce moving from Bethel Church with, in Redding, California as an elder, leaving there and going to Spokane, Washington to redig the wells of, of John G. Lake and his healing ministry, I call him and I said, what are you doing over there? And he starts telling me and I said, that's what the Lord is saying to me over here. And that's why he's coming here this Friday because of this relationship that goes back to 2003. And, and he says, We're here on the West Coast, we're going to redig the wells. I said, Well, we, we're going to dig some new wells if we have to. I don't know where the old ones are, but we're going to dig some new ones because the, the God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. He's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still our God, our healer. So we began to sharpen our ability to see the healing power of God flow through us and in in, in to heal the sick. And then we started the healing school to train up others. And it was open to anybody, any denomination, non-denomination. It doesn't really matter if you even claim to be a Christian. Come through the healing school and discover the healing power of God based on the Word of God, which still goes on today. Dr. East, thank God, he leaves his doctor's office. He leaves his patients. And he comes every Tuesday night faithfully to those that have coincided And and this cycling through is thousands over the years, thousands who have been taught and trained that the Word of God still undergirds the truth that God is a healing God, that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. Hallelujah! And we don't have to run afraid of cancer, and we don't have to run afraid of of diabetes, and we don't have to run afraid of heart disease, and we don't have to run afraid of, of any disease because we know greater is our God. And when we begin to build up our faith by the Word of God, and take a stand against it. We now have thousands of testimonies of those who said, uh, I would be dead today had it not been for those intercessors who were faithful to meet with me in those healing rooms and to pray with me. And some of them said, even while I was in the soaking room uh, and hearing the recitation of God's Word uh, backed up with the songs of uh, of praise uh, that I got healed while I was even waiting to be prayed for. And I'm here to tell you, God is a healing God. Hallelujah. Almost every revolutionary invention was birthed out of a complaint. And I believe that this power shift, you could start listening to the complaints around you. Do it, I pray, do it tomorrow. And when you listen to those complaints that are coming around you, let the gift of God and the fruit of the Spirit of God allow you to step up into your promotion. Step up and say, God, uh, I'll make myself available. When God said raise up a healing task force, I didn't know what a healing task force was, but I began to dig into it. And I began to reach out and I found a uh, uh, Cal Pierce and he was reached in and he'd been studying and we began to encourage one another and let me tell you what, you're going to find folks that will come alongside with what God has called you to do. And together, you guys are going to be able to bring about a turnaround, a power shift that needs to take place from the promotion. You could become a millionaire responding to the complaints that you hear. And it's not all about money, but in business, let me tell you what, most revolutionary inventions was birthed out of a complaint. But you have to understand that your primary purpose and calling will arise most likely out of a dilemma. You've been running from the dilemma. You've been putting your head into sin and ignoring the dilemma. You've been doing everything to avoid the dilemma. God says, I need you to run to the valley of where the the, uh, Goliath is cursing me. Don't run from him, run to him, because what I put in you is going to take him down. It's going to take that authority. When his head came off, that's authority, the head, the authority was taken off as he was a covenant representative. For all of of the Philistines had a covenant representative, Goliath. And if Goliath won, they all won. And if Goliath lost, they were all losers. And God has a covenant. He's, He's a covenant God. And you're in covenant with him. And He wants you to be a covenant representative. That's what this promotion is about. And that you will step up. And as you step up out in the marketplace, as you step up out at work, as you step up out at school, as you step up there in the the darkness and let the light of God shine, it's going to bring about a a, a result that's going to advance the whole kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Come on now. As we wrap up now, just, just remember this. Every door of advancement and opportunity usually has a giant standing in front of it. So stop running from the giants. Stop running from the giants. Meet them head on. Meet them head on. Pray it up. Let the Spirit of God work in and through you to do what God has created you to do. Don't sit idly by and let the enemy advance Run and meet the enemy if you need to And I'm here to tell you the gift of God That if God is placed on the inside of you is going to make room for you It's going to rise up it's, God's going to have your back He needs a covenant representative I believe every one of us should need to be a covenant representative To stand against the works of the devil First and foremost in our body right, in our home, right, in our church. Those three, those three temples need to be taken care of first, proving ourselves in the least likely places. Don't let the devil have and do what he wants with your body. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Whether it's an attack of the mind, whether it's an attack of the finances, whether it's an attack of your physical body, whether it's an attack of your, your career, your future, don't let the devil get by with it. But then with your family, you have a position of authority in that family, that house, that temple, and God wants you to be the covenant representative there. And then in this church, the fruit of the Spirit is what we pray every person walks through these doors. Let the lost come in. Let the ones that have been hurt in other churches who have, have vowed never to go to a church again and now they're ready to try church again. Let them walk through the doors of Christian embassy and be met by the, with the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and kindness and goodness and patience. Do you know what I'm saying? I so loved it. When the Walmarts first started, and Sam Walton was getting that Walmart uh, those one, one uh, store right after another, and I remember the one that was built over off of uh, is it Battlefield Boulevard? I remember that. There was no, none of that was there when I was started here. And I remember going in there, and it was like you felt special. They greeted you and they were there to help you and anything you're looking for, because they had everything there. They had people on every aisle to point you, to tote stuff for you, to carry you. I mean, it was just a wonderful place. You got to the register, they were all open and you didn't have to wait 75 hours. And now I go in there and I can't find somebody. And when I do, I say, Sir, could you help me? They said, that's not my department. And I said, "Um, forgive me, I'm sorry. Uh, Do you know whose department it is? I don't think they come in yet. I don't know. They're always in the break room, probably in the break room. I don't know if they're even here. And I just laughed. And I'm like, man. Now that's a, 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 you know, it's not claiming to be a Christian store, but I remember how the the nature of it was. And now I could care less if I ever go in one ever again. Because of that, there's other places I can go. People like to go where they're celebrated. Well, now, the house of God, let me tell you what, this is a promotion time. I believe that God is speaking right now and has been to a a multitude of people who went through church and it was a, a name of a church, it was a process of church, but the fruit, there was gifts, there was talent, there was anointing, but there was... No fruit or little fruit. And they got offended. The devil got in there and got them and they had been unchurched. I mean, there are thousands and I'm seeing, I'm seeing it in the spirit. There are thousands and tens of thousands of them who will tell you, I used to go to this church and I even used to serve and I was a deacon or I was this or I was that or I was a te- teacher, but they, they're unchurched and they're getting, they're getting beat up And the devil is stripping them and and wearing them out. And the Spirit of God is calling them home. The Spirit of God has been speaking to them in their dreams. The Spirit of God has been convicting them. The Spirit of God has been saying, come home, come home. I, I come into the house. And let me tell you what, I believe God is going to lead them into the churches and lead them into His local assemblies, which He, God loves the local assembly. So much so that he he sent seven letters from heaven through John to local assemblies. He had the apostles that wrote these epistles and he wrote them to local assemblies. He is coming back for his church. He loves the local assembly. The devil hates the local assembly. But the Lord loves it. It's his plan. It's part of what he does. And he's bringing them in. Christian embassy, I'm telling you, I'm saying this on a Wednesday night because, let me tell you what, the backbone of this church is here right now. There's some other backbone that is a part of this church couldn't be here tonight because of work and other things. But let me tell you what, there is a great representation of the backbone of this church that's here right now. And God is, God wants, He's been telling, He wants to bring them here. But when He brings them here, let me tell you what, don't impress, don't try and impress them with your gift. Don't try to impress them with your talent. Don't try to impress them with all that you know or, or you don't know, okay? Let the fruit of the Spirit be manifest. Let them see the love of God where you're not judging them. Do you know the love of God that God is not cliquish? Did you know that? Anybody ever been around a clique where there's three people talking and you walk up and you feel like you're very unwelcome? And if you don't leave, they'll eventually tell you to leave or they'll walk away because you're just not a part of their circle. That's a nasty feeling. That is a nasty, nasty feeling. Oh, but these are my best friends. Well, then go out with your best friends. But when you're at church, come on now. We're to be just like God. Our arms are open. Whosoever will. Right? Whosoever will. Let the love of God. Don't judge them. They may come in here wearing shoes on their head. That's okay. They've been out there. They're mixed up. And, but God's drawing them and bringing them to a place that's going to help them find that position of repositioning of righteousness. Don't run them off because they're wearing shoes on their head rather than feet. I would rather you put your shoe in your mouth and leave them alone. Love them. Let the fruit of the Spirit of goodness, kindness. Let us shower them because these are souls, souls that will live for eternity. This isn't some, some object. This isn't some project. These are souls, eternal souls that God is bringing right to us. And part of the promotion of this church is we're going to love them, the love of God. And we're going to show them goodness and mercy. And we're going to show them patience. And we're going to show them joy. Joy. We're not going to tell them how bad the devil is. We're going to tell them how good our God is. Hallelujah. But as we practice that here in this house, also practice that over your body and over your family as well. Don't just put on, oh, we're going to church. I got to be nice. We're going to church. I got to be joyful. We're going to church. I got to put on a smile. No! Let that be who you are. How? Through intimacy with God and through the intimacy of God of abiding in the vine, He begins to flow through you who He is by His Spirit. Amen. Will you ratchet yourself, position yourself, And let us be in the proper understanding as a covenant representative for this harvest that God's bringing in. Because if we're not going to get ourselves ready, He's not going to bring them to us. Because they've already been hurt. They've already been despondent. They already don't even know if they really believe there's a God because that God thing, it didn't work out too well with them. And He wants us to introduce them to the true, living, loving God that lives in us. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Fathers, we stand in your presence here tonight, God. I believe you're calling us to a higher place. You're calling us to stand up, Lord God. There's a Goliath out there saying, I'm going to take the world to hell. I'm going to take more people out of the church and I'm going to take more people into eternity of darkness and gnashing of teeth and fire and brimstone. And he's just saying, I, God is not even a real God. That, that church thing is a joke. I hear Goliath speaking. Lord God, I pray Christian Embassy would rise up tonight and say, you know what, God, you have gifted us, you have anointed us, you have blessed us, and Lord God, through a relationship with you, we have the power of your Spirit flowing through us, and for such a time as this, we're going to rise up. And where the devil said there's going to be a great fall away, there's going to be a great coming back to God. There's going to be a revival. We're calling for a revival right now. We're calling for a revival of souls that are come into the kingdom of God. Men and women, boys and girls that will come to serve Jesus all the days of their life. Hallelujah. So rather than lose them to hell, we're going to gain them into heaven through our love, through our service, and through the use of our gifts and our anointings and fulfilling our destiny. Lord, I pray as your word has come to each of us tonight that we would take it soberly and seriously and make a commitment to you right now. God, you can use me as a covenant representative. Would you tell him that? God, tonight I just say, God, here am I. As the prophet said, here am I, send me. Lord, whatever you need done, you can use me. Would you tell him that? Don't let your selfishness and don't let anything of short-sightedness cause you to miss out on God's best for you. Because what God has created you to do is your best. And that best will flow through you when you're willing to be used by Him. Here, my God, send me. Will you say that? What the prophet said, here, my God, use me. As a covenant representative for the advancement of your kingdom, I make myself available. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, covenant representatives, let's let's go and show the world the goodness of God. Amen.